0: Okay, high time now for our tune of the week. Come on, let's go.
1: This is the Media Industry Guru show. The show that exposes you to entertainment, music, film, TV and tech. Online. 24-7. 24-7. You're listening to the hottest internet station. And we are back learning and educating one another <laughs> on the Media Industry guru Podcast. You know what this podcast is all about. But let's dig in to Lucas Cox. Today, you're going to learn about the live event space and especially being a ticketing manager. So Lucas Cox works at AEG Presents and he oversees the life cycle of when a show gets submitted to AEG from start to finish. We're going to learn about his eclectic background over 13 years in the music industry where he studied over at Loyola and now he resides in New Orleans, still working full time, getting his feet wet within the music industry. Started as a ticket taker to front house coordinator to venue box office manager, festival box office manager and now ticketing manager so we'll hear about his favorite festivals including hangout and what it's like to work in the festival side of the ticketing industry so let's welcome lucas to the media industry guru podcast hey lucas welcome to the media industry guru podcast really excited to hear your adventures within the music industry being a ticket manager for aeg presents as well as uh being in new orleans surrounded by a vibrant music industry city
0: Hey Forbes, uh, it's great to talk to you and I look forward to um, touching on a bunch of music industry subjects with you.
1: Yeah, so let's get started. So talk us through how you chose to live in New Orleans and what made you passionate about the music industry within New Orleans versus Nashville, New York, LA, Chicago, there's a plethora of other music industry cities.
0: Sure. Um, well, look, I always imagined myself working in the music industry in some capacity, whether that was performing or or working at a venue or um never did i imagine being a ticketing manager which we can probably talk about more later but um i wound up being one which i'm I'm super pleased i am new orleans um i also I, i did never imagine the opposite i never imagined being in new orleans it really was never on my radar um growing up which is which is crazy because i'm you know i was well traveled and and i knew a lot about um United States and outside of the US and what you know other like Los Angeles and, and New York which you mentioned what those places have to offer. Um, what, what happened was I was I was in high school and I knew that I wanted to choose a university that was going to give me um, some opportunity to pursue music in one way or another and I was like going down the list and I think Loyola New Orleans was the last on my list. Ironically, it wound up being the absolute best fit for me uh, not only as you know as a program and a university, but um, New Orleans as a city. And so I came down here uh, in 2010, so 13 years ago and mm-hmm. almost immediately or immediately I should say, uh, fell in love with it and and decided that I was probably gonna stick around here after college. Um, there, there were lots of folks. Um, I know lots of folks who I went to school with, who were, you know, and and being encouraged to do this, I should say, by professors to to get out of New Orleans, to to go to LA, to go to New York, to go to Nashville, go to Chicago, even Austin, um, mm-hmm. and pursue their careers there because it's you know it's it's no mystery that those markets are are hotbeds for um, the music industry. But
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, I thought and I knew that if if I kind of got in here early on um, in my career. And I took advantage of the small opportunities that were given to me um, as a young 20-year-old, and I grew upon those, that I might be able to stay here. Um, and I'm super happy I did. So, you know, fast forward 13 years, um, you know, I've been involved in in most of the venues down here in one way or another. I've been involved in a lot of festivals locally and regionally, and, um, Yeah, it's it's definitely home now, and I I do hope to never have to leave it. So, yep.
1: And you also I know you studied music industry, but you also studied jazz percussion. Were you an instrumentalist and a performer? And did that kind of spark ideas for working on the business side, too? Hundred percent.
0: That that's that's where the passion was sparked when I was a kid and I started I had been playing music I played the violin for several years, but that really never got me excited. And then like around the age of 10, um, I, I had a family member, a couple of family members who, who played the in music industry or play in a band, I should say. So they were a part of the music industry. Um, and I got exposed to that at an early age and I wanted to pursue music and play music. And that drove me to college where initially, I was pursuing just a performance degree um, because, you know, at that age um, I, I only thought that I thought that was the only route really for me to to find a career in the music industry. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that uh, Loyola had a wonderful program, which is still running very strongly today, the Music Industry Studies program um, and and kind of almost out of like a fear of like what the hell am I going to do when I get out of here? And I've only learned how to, you know, just play music. I, I want like mm-hmm. some more real life skills. Um, I I decided that I was going to actually start majoring in uh, business, AKA the Music Industry Studies program. Um, and around that time I was playing in a couple rock bands in the city and I was getting a ton of exposure to the local scene and the venues and the people that were promoting the music. And I was getting an inside look into how these things operated. And it really inspired me um, to pursue that corner of the industry, right? Like specifically live music um, and at that time venues. And so I began interning at venues and eventually I started getting paid to do uh, small jobs at venues and that just kind of grew <laughs> yeah. um, to where I'm at now. Yeah.
1: And so by working at these venues, would you say that sparked like an interest and you became more inquisitive to learn about the ticketing side of the industry versus other sectors? Or did you have any opportunities at dabbling in other sectors of the music industry?
0: So, that's a really good question. So I, going into it, I, I kind of knew what my strengths and weaknesses were. Um, like, I didn't really see myself behind a soundboard. Um, what I did see myself doing was was being a manager, you know, leading a team. Um, I knew I was good at that. And I, I, I kind of touched on this earlier. Before working in venues, it had never really occurred to me. I was really naive to the you know, ticketing profession. Um, and I think a lot of people are. Um, and, and so, but I, I found, I found out soon that if a lot of the things that I was looking to do, um, they the responsibilities fell on the lap of a, a ticketing manager. Right? Um, and so, I initially, I was a front of house coordinator or manager. I was essentially managing the team of people who were working in the front of house, the venue, right? As opposed to the back of house, which is, you know, the stage hands, the LDs, um, the audio people. And that that just was way more my flow. Um, and I, I felt way more comfortable. And then, you know, from that position of front of house coordinator, I became a box office manager. And then I was like, oh, whoa, I got exposed suddenly to what ticketing really was, because I was starting to build events on ticketing platforms and, and understanding the, the language behind um, ticketing and just how much work it goes into um, making an event. You know, an event is not possible, obviously, without selling tickets. Um, and then it just kind of clicked. And I was like, okay, this is something that I want to pursue more. I really like ticketing. Um, and so that's how that happened.
1: Wow. And so did you um, I know like a lot of people that work in the ticketing and event space, they are not only musicians, but they start on those street teamers, like passing around flyers, getting that hands-on industry experience. Um, I know you were a ticket taker, but did you have any role in any street teams or uh, hear that term?
0: Yeah, I did. I, I was on a couple of street teams. Um, actually, I was looking back now, I was street teaming for the company I work for now. Um, that, that gave me um, some experience, um, but I think what gave me the most experience was, was that, that first job or like first initial experience, I should say, was that, that job of just ticket taking at first, um, having to interface with, with customers and just deal with like just BS, <laughs> like just like rolling with the punches and just being a person on the ground. Um, and I think that you know I, I look back on that. I'm 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 kind of almost opposite these days. Like I, I'm still on the ground a lot. I'm I'm still an operator occasionally, but um, I'm I'm much more like top level overseeing. But I, I like to think I kind of carried that like operational on the ground. You know, like strap your boots on uh, approach and perspective throughout the last, you know, 10 or so years of my career.
1: Oh, that's really interesting. I know like a lot I've met, like, would you say you met like a lot of uh, people on those street teams that still work in the music industry to this day? Because I mean, I was on the WCP uh, street team. I, really? Uh, oh, okay. Um, during my college career in new orleans and it was a great experience that's how i met some of the people today um mm-hmm. it's like andrew um i met um a guy named austin thompson i don't know if you know him and then he connected very me well to, yeah and then he connected me to andrew mm-hmm. and look at now we're right here so yeah uh, do you think that do you think like uh that experience um and working with those people, do you still keep in touch with them to this day? Do you still work with any of them?
0: Hundred percent. Austin is actually my realtor. Um, I love Austin. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was I went to his wedding. I was with him and his wife and his um, his uh, his kid the other day, who I think is about one years old now. So uh, love Austin. Um, and yes, most definitely. Um, the people I was, and I think this is important for people to to know if, if they're young now that there is a, especially if you stay within the same market, if you stay in New Orleans, right? Or whatever, wherever it is right now that you are trying to figure out your career. Um, those folks who stick around that you become friends with and coworkers with and collaborators with early on, you're gonna run into them a million times and, and work closely with them um, throughout the rest of your career as long as you kind of stay within the same, like, vicinity. Um, I'll give you a really good example. I think you said you talked to Andrew Portwood. I met Andrew Portwood when I was in college. Um, I had to do a project. I think it was my senior studies project. Um, and my professor at the time gave me uh, or gave us a a project where we had to tell her um, what where we'd like to go in the music industry, what our like, our our dream job was, I guess, you know? Um, And I think I said venue manager at the time. And then we would have to interview um, with a person who actually held that position. Um, And they didn't tell you who it was gonna be. Uh, Well, it turns out the person who interviewed me was Andrew Portwood. And I had never met him. I kind of knew who he was um, because the Joy Theater had just recently opened up. and so he was on my radar. Um, anyways, I get Andrew graded me, and I, I get the grade back from Andrew. I get an A plus, and like, oh holy, you know, holy cow! Like, I did a good job. Maybe this guy had, like, maybe he actually does like me, and you know, I can, I can bug him to give me a job. Well, I, I bugged the hell out of him, and eventually he did give me a job, and that was my first ticket taking job at the Joy Theater. Um, Fast forward a couple years, him and I, he he helped me um, gain more experience and together we uh, went to go work at AAG Presents. Um, He's no longer at AAG Presents, he has a new job now, but him and I are the closest friends. We lived together um, at one point. He was actually just at my house before this interview with his dog. So I think that goes to show (laughs) how those connections can be so long lasting.
1: Yeah, they can definitely turn from the professional into personal friendships. And it's a, definitely a small industry. Even uh, globally, it's a big yet small industry. But even in New yep. Orleans, it's such a niche and unique market. So it gets even smaller there.
0: Yeah, most definitely.
1: So I want to talk about like people that are inquisitive to learn about your day-to-day. Can you walk us through like what a typical day is like? being a ticket manager for a big company that does ticketing all day and night, any um, uh, things that um, you do on a day-to-day basis, what's your routine like?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, You know, working for a a company like AAG, it it is a nine to five job um, that certainly does not exclude me though, from going and having to work shows and stuff. So um, it's like a weird hybrid of, of like normal working hours and and really weird working hours. Um, my typical day is, is I wake up and I get online. I mean, I'm behind my computer a ton. Um, I've been behind my computer today since 9 AM. Right. Um, typical day I, I, get up, I get started, I knock out those, those emails that I can right away. I save the bigger ones for later. Um, in, in ticketing, it's really important that we're tracking sales, um, because that determines and and shows to us, like our marketing team, our talent buyers, um, that that shows to them where we are um, as far as, will we sell out the show? Um, Do we need to put more marketing dollars behind it? Um, Do we need to make some adjustments here or there? And so, the first thing I do every morning, and and this goes for shows and for festivals as well, is I, I, I dive in and I look at ticket accounts and I look at ticket wraps and a ticket wrap, that term just means what we sold the previous day. Um, and I have uh, several reporting systems in place where I am sending that information out to the parties that need that. Now that can be internally or that can be externally. Um, so an example of uh, internally again would be like our marketers at AAG Presents, right? An example of externally would be the artist team. Um, who is curious about the uh, the progress of the ticket sales on their artist show. Um, and so I, I typically do that stuff in the morning. That's the most boring stuff I do. Once that's out of the way, mm-hmm. I'm typically jumping into, and it's almost always around like 10 a.m. or 11 a.m. every day, um, actually launching shows. So when a show gets confirmed, um, it comes across my desk and – I'm given a confirmed offer that came from the talent buyer and the agent. And I'm taking that pricing. I'm taking that scaling. And I am using whatever ticketing platform um, the venue or the festival uses to build that event. And when I say ticketing platform, I mean Ticketmaster, Axis, Eventbrite, SeaTickets, TicketWeb. Like there's a ton of them, right? I work across a ton of them. Um, So it's, it's knowing how each of those work um and then knowing how to apply the offer information to that platform to build that show right and then um in conjunction with the marketers um, on our team and the marketers on the artist team we we launched that show right so like when you open your you know instagram on a friday and you see hey um you know blah 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 is coming to town on sale now, or maybe it's, you know, on sale on Friday or next Friday, um, we're, we're the ones that are, are kind of driving that. And then so when it goes on sale, it could be a pre-sale, it could be an on sale. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm monitoring uh, those sales, and I'm catching any little mistakes. Um, I like to say I, I play whack-a-mole a lot, because a lot of what I do as a ticketer is I have to pay attention to detail. And so that's <laughs> just like kind of constantly like, like looking at um, and going, pouring over like the different uh, details of a ticketing link or like the reports that I'm seeing generated on the back end and being like, oh, you know, that doesn't look right. Or, oh, wow, that's Mm -hmm. really surprising. This is great, you know? Um, And so that's a huge part of what I do, which is getting shows off the ground. Now, once a show is off the ground, um, it's really begun the beginning of its life cycle, Right. And so I will perform what I like to call maintenance on that show um, from the beginning until it's played off. And I think people might have this misconception that once you like launch a show, you just leave it alone and you don't never come back to it. That that couldn't be further from the truth. We're always um, making small adjustments with holds and allocations and pricing. you know whether that's to to maximize profit or 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 not lose a bunch of profit, um, we're we're always we're always looking at um, how can we make the this specific show situation better for ticket sales, right? Um, and so I'm, I'm I'm doing I'm I'm doing that maintenance throughout the sales period of the show, and and then here comes the show, right? Um, I I mentioned to you earlier that. I used to be much more like boots on the ground. Um, these days, I'm not as much, but sometimes I still am. For like the really large shows, um, I'll give you an example like Hangout Music Fest. Um, I am very present for that. And I am managing an entire team of people who are in charge of sales and they're in charge of resolution. And they're not just in charge of the um, patrons, they're in charge of the back of house working staff. Um, and so, In situations like that, I am present and I am on the ground and I am there until the wee hours of the morning, um, running the show, (laughs) managing my staff, and and just dealing with any issues that do come up. Um, And then the show plays off, right? Uh, But we're not quite done because we need to settle the show. Um, That isn't fully my responsibility, but I definitely do help hold those people's hands who it is. Um, And so those people would specifically be like, the, we call them promoter reps. They're the people who go to the show and represent us as a promoter, or as a venue, or as a festival, and they settle the show with the artist directly, right? Um, Well, there's a lot of questions that come up when you're selling a show, and there's five or even a hundred different ticket types. You're gonna go ask the ticketing manager how to understand what's in front of you, right? And so I get pulled into a lot of those conversations. Um, Mm -hmm. And then of course that goes to an accounting team. And so it could be like three months from the show. And this happened a couple of times this week, I get pinged and it's like, hey Lucas, you know, we're missing these funds or what are these funds for? And, um, you know, then I go digging and I start explaining. Uh, And so I I really really am involved uh, with the exception of the actual booking of the show. yeah. For its entire life cycle, which to me is really exciting and, and enjoyable because I get to watch the show from the beginning all the way to the very, very end. So, yeah, um, yeah. that's
1: really interesting. Uh, that's definitely cyclical. But as you mentioned, one day is not uh, is definitely different from the other. And especially depending on genre, artist, venue, uh, the demographics of people people going the day time there's so many different variables uh so it's not uh constant it definitely is uh a roller co- a fun roller coaster ride
0: yeah yeah one so at one moment i could be looking at a show i could be sitting down with a talent buyer talking about a show and um you know talking to them about how we want to, you know, price and scale the show. And like you just mentioned, I heard you say demographics or like, you know, we're looking at the venue configurations. And so that's like, it, you know, that's the show being born essentially. Right. Where, and then 10 minutes later I could be, you know, looking at the settlement for a show, which has played off. Um, so it's like, I'm never, no, nothing is ever in the same place. Right. Everything is always at different periods within the life cycle of the show. Um, and I'm just, yeah, I'm just moving back and forth between all the different projects.
1: And do you have any personal or professional goals coming up? I know you're planning and prepping the rest, um, of your thirties and slowing down, uh, what was the whirlwind of your twenties where people (laughs) in their twenties like myself are just, uh, adventure seekers and explorers.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I I just turned thirty. Well, not just turned thirty, but I turned thirty about six months ago. Um, and yeah, I think you know I don't have I have a lot of like larger like general goals. Um, for instance, I just want to keep chugging ahead with my career. I, I think I mentioned to you uh, when we were talking earlier, like I I think I was pretty good in the last ten years. Um, about like kind of consistently pushing myself to learn new things and, and gain more responsibility. Um, and I don't want that to slow down. So, uh, yeah, I guess 30 is the new 20.
1: (laughs) And, uh, do you have any advice or wisdom that you'd like to share from somebody who studied a very robust music industry program for those that want to break into the music industry, but might not have that skill set or, or, kind of in the exploration phase?
0: Yeah, I do. Um, you know, for me, it was never really an option not to do this. Um, I think that when when I was in my early 20s and I was in school, um, there were definitely lots of folks like me who were, who were similar. Like, you could tell they did not have, they did not feel like there was another option, you know, for better or for worse. Like, like, this is what I'm going to do. And then there are those folks who are like kind of wishy-washy on it. And that's okay. Um, but I think that when you're in your early 20s and you're thinking about how you want to spend, you know, it, you know, everyone changes careers. I'm not saying you're bound to it for the rest of your life. But if you're really thinking about committing to this, um, you know, really have some self-reflection, um, I think there's this uh, misconception that you know, in the music industry, you join it and you just get to have tons of fun and you know, like, hop around the world and go see cool shows and get in for free and like get free drinks and like, you know, what I'm saying, and like part of that is true, but that comes with a lot of work and exhaustion, <laughs> and and so, you know, I I I have a ticket to go to hundreds of show shows a year. Um, <laughs> you just won't see me doing that anymore. Sure. And so, what I'm trying to get at is like. I, I don't, I I hate to see people think that the, just to get into the music industry for the fun aspect of it, because at the yeah, end of the day, glamour, yeah. You know, yeah, the the day it is work. And I think, you know, what's, what's the saying? Like, if you, if you find something you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Yeah. I think that's BS. Yes. So <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't agree with that statement necessarily. There's uh, a balance. Yeah. There's a balance. Exactly. And I, I, I completely love what I do and I really could not imagine doing anything else, but you know, there are certainly days where it gets tiring. Um, So, you know, my advice is, you know, if you're young and you're thinking about this, you know, do some self-reflection on why you're actually doing this. Um, And then my other piece of advice is, you know, when you're young, it it can be really discouraging because, and I see this a lot with, I work with a lot of younger people um, to to try and help them get their feet on the ground and, and try and find a path forward. I hire a lot of people who are in their early 20s who need opportunity. Um, But you're going to have to, especially if you're working in live music, take advantage of really every small opportunity there is and kind of suck up your ego like you're not going to become you're not going to become in charge overnight. It's just you're just not going to
1: time and experience. Um, Yeah. Yeah.
0: So it's really taking taking advantage of all those small opportunities Mm -hmm. and. I think finding those small opportunities in places where there's potential for larger opportunities, right? The reason I attached myself so much to Joy Theater, which was my my first job um, when I was in my early 20s, was, you know, they were giving me a small opportunity initially, but I had enough foresight to see that there, there could be potentially a larger opportunity because it was a new business um, and there was room to grow. So I, I think take advantage of all those small opportunities, but really latch on to those small opportunities where you can see that there's gonna be more larger opportunities.
1: Mm-hmm. And to wrap things up, any last tricks? Um,
0: huh. uh, no, um, I think that, well, yeah, sure. Um, I think, you know, don't be afraid to put yourself out there. You know, be consistent um, show up, um, you know, have fun though, while you do it, get the job done. You know, people do, people do notice you in this industry. Um, if you, if you go about doing things the right way, um, and people do want to give you opportunity. Um, I, I don't, you know, I, I am not naive to the fact that I am where I am today because so many people gave me a chance. So, um, don't think that people want to keep you out of this industry. Um, realize that there's lots of people who would be excited to teach you things and show you around this industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and and get stoked on that. That's, that's yeah. my advice.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you, Lucas, for being on the Media Industry Guru podcast. Wishing you great success down in NOLA and getting ready for Mardi Gras. And have a great 2023. Thank you. Thank you. Happy Mardi Gras. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Media Industry Guru Podcast. Check out the Instagram at Media Industry Guru for all the details on the latest and coolest, I mean coolest, upcoming episodes that you will hear. Email at Media Industry Guru Podcast at gmail.com for any other interviews that you would like to hear or if you would like to be on the air and give a little promo or talk about yourself or just even chat with me because you know, I'm I'm doing this, I'm invested in this. And tune in weekly, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern on Tuesdays on the Anchor app, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Breaker, and many more streaming platforms. Thanks again for all of the support and peace out and let's rock and roll.